Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, everyone. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keen. And uh, our economic indicators are brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. Well, the employment report out, and it's an astoundingly good one, Tom. The Canadians have just reported their May payrolls. 13.8 thousand new jobs created. The survey said they would only get 1.8. All of so, them are really staff good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> 6.9% unemployment. Out how to win. So anyway, uh, things may be getting a little better in Canada. That's uh, the uh, indicator of the morning so far. We do get University of Michigan numbers here in the U.S. 10 o'clock this morning, the survey says. 94 for a reading that would be down from 94.7. Fed's going to be watching their inflation <clears throat> numbers, what uh, what people think yes. inflation is going to be over the next few years. Joining us right now to consider a clear conversation on your investment horizon, given what we've been talking about this morning, is one S. Ratner. We should say by disclosure, he assists in managing money for Michael Bloomberg and his team. Uh, Mr. Bloomberg is a uh, majority owner of Bloomberg LP, and of course it's a radio station, but Steve Ratner has a lot of experience in what to do and what not to do in times like this. If you ran a horizon analysis of your bond portfolio today, if you were courageous, courageous enough to own bonds, and they are priced to true perfection, low yields, high bond prices, how do you hold them and retain ownership of them if you just assume at some point you're going to see higher yields? Our, our approach is pretty simple. We don't own bonds for exactly the reason you said. We we simply don't understand why you would buy, say, a 50-year UK gilt and earn an interest rate less than what the Bank of England says it wants inflation to be over the next 50 years. Essentially, you, you have to be betting the Bank of England is somehow going to fail because right. if they succeed, you're going to lose money. Well, so you, we don't you, own them. You've only got one bet. The bet is that your trading finger is faster than the next guy's when things start to turn because nobody's going to hold these things for 50 years at, the, at that rate. Well, what I think, no, what I think you, you could also be betting on is simply that we're going into some kind of deflationary spiral and the Bank of England is not going to get inflation up. And interest rates are going to keep going lower and lower, and then the price of the bonds is actually going to go up. But that's not a bet we would make, and, and so we simply don't buy bonds, period, in any of these countries at any of these kinds of uh, prices. What's your view of the world right now in terms of, of what's going to happen? There seems to be uh, a lot of pessimism creeping into the markets again this week. Yeah, I, I, I think you have to be respectful of markets, and I think when you do see – real interest rates at these these unprecedented in 500 years of human history levels, uh, I take that as a serious warning sign. Whether it's a flashing yellow light or a flashing red light, I don't know. But it, it certainly d- does, uh, does make us nervous. It does make us nervous. You know, economists like to say recessions don't just die of old age, but the fact is they do die of old age. The imbalances creep in. You have a China debt problem. You have a Japanese uh, uh, leverage problem. You have a Europe structural problem. You have a U.S. demand problem, whatever. At some point, uh, recoveries can roll over, and I think there is some risk of that. 
Is this a macro worry, though, uh, that there's something wrong in the, in, the, in the macro environment in the world, or are we reaping, beginning to reap the consequences of extraordinary monetary policy for too long? That seems to be a debate out there. The, un, we, we've made a serious policy mistake in asking the central banks of the world to carry the burden of bringing us out of the financial crisis. And so you do get imbalances and you do get debt bubbles. I personally don't think we're in a debt bubble, certainly of anything like the magnitude of 2007. I think I worry, frankly, more about things like the productivity problem. You can't have declining productivity in the U.S., Right. And have wage increases, and therefore you can't have demand, and therefore you can't have growth. Uh, that, that to me is 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 the major thing I would worry about if I were looking for something well, to worry about. One of the good things of talking to Steve Ratner is you come at it from so many different angles. You've got your career of journalism, your career of private equity, and in and in money management and investment management. Are we setting ourselves up for what quant guys call stochastic moments? Are we going to lose our smooth curves and our control of the global financial system? Or are, are we going to be able to maintain this sense of cards that we have right now? Yeah, well, that's the right question in terms of short-term movements. The, the people like George Soros are in the former camp. They're worried that we're going to lose control of this whole mechanism, which is sort of uh, like a Rube Goldberg creature. Has that Mr. Soros been wrong so far? So far he's been wrong, sure. Uh, so far he's been wrong. But, but, uh, although I think he's bought gold, which was, which is a good, which is a good trade. But I, if I were betting, I, there's a significant risk of the first outcome. But if you ask me to bet, my bet is that the world will muddle through and we will find our way through this thing. Maybe we'll have some kind of mild recession. But, but, uh, a collapse yeah. of the so-called house of cards, I don't see myself. Quickly, what do you do with multiples of 24 on consumer stocks? We don't buy those. We try not to. What if you own them? What if our listeners, oh, they got lucky. They own, you know, Mike bought 122 shares of Colgate <laughs> a million years ago. What's he do? I, I would frankly sell them. We, we've looked at those stocks over and over again, and I understand the concept of dividend yield. But, but as you say, the 24 times PE for companies that are growing 2 or 3%, it just doesn't make any sense to us. Is Apple in that group? Goldman Sachs has some 0 to 3% revenue growth? I'm not enough of an expert on Apple to, to opine on that. Everybody in the show is an expert on Apple. <laughs> well, or how many say, Apple they products they do you have in your house? How many Apple products? I love are Apple products. I love like Apple f- products. I got like 45 things in exactly. my house. Some were, some work, some don't. I broke my screen this week. <laughs> <laughs> your, uh, very quickly, your view on what we've decided this morning is the ultimate hedge this summer, a ticket to Ibiza. Um, okay. Uh, that, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> you, just, you just leave. Get just out. Leave. Go to the beach. Just leave. Well, look, you, mean, that, you, know, you could take your money and just put it under the mattress well, and, and call it a day. Steve Ratner with us. Uh, futures negative 13, Dow futures negative 102. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit VolvoCarsWhitePlains.com. Here's John Tucker with the latest news headline. And Michael and Thomas sit down this morning between the presumptive Democratic nominee, Hillary Clinton, and Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. That's according to a Democratic strategist cited by the Washington Post. This meeting will fuel speculation about Warren's prospect as a potential vice presidential pick. In an interview with Bloomberg Politics, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says Donald Trump needs to pick an experienced running mate because... He doesn't know a lot about the issues. McConnell also strongly urged Trump to change course on his rhetoric. 
And billionaire Warren Buffett's annual lunch auction, drawing a top offer exceeding $2 million. This with more than half a day remaining of the fundraiser, uh, beating last year's pace, the highest offer in the charity event, $2.61 million, according to eBay's website. Say, say that again. So far, for the charity lunch with Warren Buffett, the bidding is up to... $2.61 million, and still half a day to go. So get your bids in. I think Radner got up and beat that. You know, lunch <laughs> with Radner was, was a higher All figure than that. Char- oh. no, this just you didn't. got lunch with Steve Radner at Beyond on Madison Avenue, and it worked. We've got a bit of a $1.98 for lunch with Tom. All right. <laughs> now it's time for the Land Rover Parsippany Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with Rob Bushka. Good morning, Mike and Tom. Yankees, they cap off a four-game sweep of the Angels at the stadium with a nice 6-3 win. It was backed by Ivan Nova and Aroldis Chapman, who nailed down the save. Skipper Joe Girardi on his offense finally coming around. I thought our guys did a really good job of uh, staying in the middle of the field, going the other way when the opportunities presented themselves. We hit some home runs. Um, I think we had another three-run homer, which we haven't had in a long time. Um, and it seemed like everyone helped. Everyone contributed, and that's a big difference. And we'll see if they can keep it going as a homestand continues over the weekend. Detroit comes to town. Former Met Mike Pelfrey climbs up on the hill tonight opposite of C.C. Sabathia. The Mets rolled into Milwaukee. They got on the board right away. Curtis Granderson, a familiar sight, belting his 40th career leadoff home run, 16th in a Mets uniform en route to a 5-2 win. Just trying to get on base somehow if I end up in a good situation with the count-wise. Trying to drive the baseball just like it would be in any other count over the course of the game. But sometimes I happen to get a couple of them out of the ballpark. Bartolo Colon picked up his fifth win. Matt Harvey looks to continue his rebuilding process tonight, going for his third consecutive quality start when he faces Junior Guerra. Mets picked a pair of Long Island kids who play at Boston College and UConn with their top picks in the draft. Yankees went out west, having high school outfielder from California. And the Phillies had the top pick overall. They grabbed a California high school star and outfielder as well, Mickey Moniak. First time they've had the number one overall pick since 97. And on the ice, the Sharks came up big when it mattered most. A 4-2 win in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final at the Igloo, forcing Game 6 in San Jose on Sunday. They still trail at three games of two. That is your NBC Bloomberg Sports Update. Michael and Tom. Thank you, sir. Greatly appreciate it. Michael, the Cincinnati Reds are 20 games out, and it's not even 4th of July. Why is that? The Chicago Cubs are playing 707 baseball. Well, there's two things going on there. One, the Reds are tanking. They want to be bad so they can get high draft choices and do oh, something like the, the plot. Chicago Cubs did and rebuilt. But the Cubs, uh, just the reviews are awesome. You know? Yeah. 707 baseball in June. They are the Hamilton of baseball. They are very, very cool. We say good morning to all of you. Sirius XM Channel 119 Chicago. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. The Sports Report was brought to you by Land Rover Parsippany. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverParsippany.com or call 1-800-FIND-4WD. Land Rover, above and beyond.